This coming Saturday, December 4th, 2021, the Otis Redding Foundation and Cox Communications present Otis the Season, a holiday concert featuring students and musicians from the Otis Redding Foundation and special musical guest, The Warren Treaty. The show will start at 7.30 p.m. at the Hargrave Capitol Theater in Macon. For more information and to purchase tickets, call 478-742-5737 or visit otisreddingfoundation.org. Welcome to The Dreamcast, a podcast created by the students of the Otis Music Camp in Macon, Georgia. Each episode of The Dreamcast will feature stories and conversations with exceptional artists from our hometown of Macon, Georgia, and around the world. This week, we interviewed the multi-talented Saxton Keat, a longtime Otis Music Camp coach, incredible musician, and distinguished medical student. In this episode, Saxton talks about his work as a medical student, his and his family's long history with the Otis Redding family and foundation, his future plans, and his favorite Otis Redding songs. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Dreamcast, the podcast for the Otis Redding Foundation. Uh, my name is Jamie Ali Law, and I am a coach uh, with the foundation and I am so pleased to be here today talking to the Mr. Saxton Keat. Uh, <laughs> Saxton um, Saxton is one of the one of the handful of people who go back further than I do uh, <laughs> in regards to, to the oldest music camp. And so um, you know it's 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 a pleasure to have you here today and to just get to talk to you a bit around, around um, not just your involvement with the Otis Redding Foundation, but your uh, your life's pursuits. Um, so first of all, Saxton, uh, introduce yourself to the folks. Let us know uh, what you're up to. Well, hello, my name is Saxton Keat. Um, I'm currently a graduate student at Meharry Medical College in Nashville, Tennessee. I'll be receiving my master's in health science in May, thank God. So very, very uh, rigorous program. It's only eight months. So, yeah. So you're going to imagine the type of distress I, I'm, I'll be under sometime, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I'm excited about this new journey. Um, It's the road to becoming a, a medical doctor, you know. So uh, my, my career aspirations right now are to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. But... Dr. Miami had me rethinking some stuff because plastic surgery is where the money is right now. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. I was, I mean, you know, I was gonna ask you what inspired cardiothoracic. I mean, but you know, with the, I, I can hear what inspires the potential. Oh yeah, yeah. Surgery, but... Well, cardi cardiothoracic. Um, my inspiration came from my father. He died from a heart disease, and I was like a one year old. So it just always been something personal. But um, a lot of people don't know that they have this thing called match day. So match day is basically dependent upon the grades that you make in medical school. So in your fourth year of medical school, they'll match you with whatever fellowship or uh, wherever you should be a resident at, you know what I'm saying, pretty much based off your scores, saying like where they feel like you could be a, you know what I'm saying, what career choice as a doctor you can be. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. saying that like, like you can't be something that you want because you can always go get a specialization. But just coming right out of medical schools, a lot of doctors don't start in this, the exact 
line of practice and medicine that they will want to. Um, so it, a lot of people don't know that. They think you just, you know, I'm going to do this. No. <laughs> match day has to, they have to match you correctly with someone who could, you know what I'm saying, help you grow as a, a doctor and a physician, you know? Okay. And so is that how you got matched with a plastic surgeon? So uh, I, I never got matched. So you don't get matched until your last year of medical school. Oh, so right, right. Yeah. But t t technically right now, I'm not even in medical school completely. I I'm, I'm attending a graduate program at a medical school. So, right, 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 right. And, mm -hmm. and you mentioned health science in this, this past year, especially with the rigorous program. And I imagine add on top of that COVID and, yeah. you know, those things. And I'm actually, I wonder, yeah, I was going to say, I wonder even what the experience has been for y'all, you in this field of health science being in the midst of a pandemic you know like um, well we, we we have to had to have um covid tests and uh keep them up to date we have to have like every other week type mm -hmm. thing um my course my actual program is online completely okay but a lot of a lot of us live in the city because it's easier to go ahead and get used to using the resources that they're going to you know what i'm saying uh, provide to us as far as like campus facilities and study rooms and also just even rebuilding building that rapport and that relationship with your classmates so um mm -hmm. even though all of us are technically not in medical or dental school we all see our ch each other being you know what I'm saying classmates in the long run even lifelong friends you know so um right. i was definitely happy by that because that was actually a decision i had to make where i was kind of stuck in between being in making and possibly working and trying to do the program or trying to just move to nashville and I was like, you know, the, of course, the, the doubts and the what else, you know, what if you don't get into medical school in Nashville? Now you got to move all this stuff again, you know, stuff like that. So um, it's really like a, it's like a, you got to have a confidence in your abilities and also like just faith that, you know, whatever path you're trying to go down, you know, because like I said, it's probably like 40% of students that's in the program that, that get into the medical or dental school. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, it's always that what if, like, what if I I'm, I don't have a score that's competitive enough? I'm not, not saying you're not good enough, but it's a lot of other people maybe better than you. So. Yeah, they had a confidence and faith. And, yeah. and I'm a, I think that that's a good actual transition to just kind of go back down memory lane, right? <laughs> and talk just a little bit about what got you connected with the Otis Redding Foundation, because, uh, when you and I first met, it was my it was my first year as a coach, and um, I'm from you know I was coming down from the Atlanta area, so this was my first time in Macon actually. Well, that was yeah. what like nine years, eight years ago, something I don't know. Um, but you, <laughs> it's, it's been a little while, um, and you were a camper. You were a musician within the camp. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you talk about confidence and faith. One of the first experiences I had with you was you were, you had your backpack on and you were sitting at the piano keys and kind of going off and, you know, people were singing and, and it probably was some kind of a, a gospel song or church song or something. <laughs> um, and so it was, uh, it was an interesting experience for me because, you know, I'm coming in, I'm, I'm an educator. And I'm coming mm -hmm. into this space and it's like, y'all are like already doing this, right? Like, yeah. and, at a, and at a high performance level. So uh, I'm not gonna say it was intimidating, but it, it, it reset some expectation. Well, I really didn't know what I was going for, honestly. I mean, like, I didn't know what I was walking into, but 
it resets some expectation to be like, oh, okay, so they just be like casually getting on the keys and just. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so talk a little bit about um, your experience, what brought you to um, the camp and just your connection to the Otis Redding Foundation. So the, my connection with the Redding family in general is where I can start with it. Um, my, my, my granddad and my grandmother um, are both from uh, Macon, Georgia. Uh, of course, you know, Otis got his big start down in this area. So around the same time that Otis was really taking off, I want to say that my grandparents were like high school, college, that area right there. So um, my grandmother and my grandfather were really close with uh, Otis before he died, um, especially my great granddad. He's a civil rights activist. So, uh, but my grandparents, my mother's parents, they actually were really close uh, and are still really close with Mama Zelma. So when they first started the camp, the first year they were in the Hall of Fame, and I was still at, playing basketball at Mercer's basketball camp. Um, I used to play basketball for Central High School, middle middle school, but every year I always went to these basketball camps for Mercer. Just increased my skill. And um my mom wanted me to go to the music camp because I was I think I had just started playing piano, I was like nine. But uh she wanted me to go to the camp but I was already signed up for the basketball for Mercer. So I ended up going for one day <laughs> in the in the Hall of Fame and after that of uh, the next year I went the whole time period, like I was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to even miss that opportunity because it was so cool, you know, to see everyone and and meet people. Um, I think that was probably that was probably the second year that I actually came and sat one day in. The first year I didn't go at all. The second year I sat like one or two days in, and then because there's nothing like it used to be like uh, was it like a weekend camp or was it a day camp? I forgot. It was like really quick though. It wasn't like as 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 long time period they do now. And they were pretty much teaching like music theory basis. It wasn't really no songwriting as much, you know, because it wasn't that much time. You know, they would let them start songs and stuff, but no guarantee they would record them. We wouldn't, they, they hadn't thought of the recording process and adding nothing that in. So, you know, it was, I really had a chance to sit back and watch the camp, you know what I'm saying, the camp evolution, like how it came from just an idea to like, yo, it's almost a, a full running youth studio at this point, you know, for any type of art. So. After that, I just started coming on the year I came to all the way, the whole entire time account was the first year to be in Mount Sales. And I met Zach. And Zach had already been there a year before me. So that year before, all the piano pieces was on him. And they had no drummer. So he, he was like, to have a, another guy who can come in and lay down basic keys so they we can go back and redo it on the tracks and have somebody play drums at the same time. He was excited because he's like, not nice like in a full-fledged band. You know, we got somebody who can, you know, even though I, I'm not the best drummer, but I can hold a, a good tempo too, you know? <laughs> so that was, it just that, just watching the evolution account was really one of the greatest things ever. But like I said, I got involved just because of the fact, like making just one of those family-oriented cities. Like, you know, Miss Carla called my grandmama because Mama Zelma told her, hey, ask uh ask Loretta if her grandson wanna go. And I'm just like, okay. Now mind you, Miss Carla is like my godmom. So her calling was just like confirmation, like why why not go anyway? Like, you know, but I wasn't interested in music at first. I was all sports. It wasn't until I was like nine years old that I really started playing the instrument. So that was I said that was really a, a bit smooth transition for me because it, it allowed me to really see uh that that really even now music is like one of those forever going job opportunities. Like you'll never be out of job with music. Like 
even now I'm in Nashville Medical School, but I'm playing piano with Mount Zion's college ministry. You know, Mount Zion's like the biggest church in Nashville. So just, just to have laid the foundation to where my reputation supersedes itself to where I can actually get those opportunities for music. And I want to adopt it. It's like cool. It's like, yo, like, you know, but it all started from the music camps, you know, learning what you need to know about the business and how to really market yourself, you know? I mean, so there was a whole lot of stuff in there because I was you and you started touching on a few things, a few places that I wanted to go. First, I want to just, you know, get the audience caught up. So you mentioned Zach. That's Zach Wilson, who, yeah. um, you know, laid the track or has the, you know, the, the, the track for the theme for this podcast. Right. So, mm-hmm. um. So, you know, we have to get him in here in a minute. Might have to have y'all yeah. come, in, come in here and, you know, uh, reminisce um, on how on how basically the weight of the camp has been on your shoulders, right? Because y'all, like you said, y'all came in with the skills to to really, you know, it, it, it's one thing to have a vision and an idea for a song. And then it's mm-hmm. another thing to then have the skills to match to be able to create, you know, what you yeah. hear. And so, you know, you and Zach have been invaluable in that space um, in really helping because we've got, we have people come in from just with a range of not only skills, but experience in music. And mm-hmm. so um, y'all being a part of the team as campers and then as coaches, right? Cause y'all, you know, y'all, y'all yeah, upgrade yeah. Upgrade <laughs> a little bit. We, oh, we, great. We, we were we, we joke about it all the time. We we were never junior coaches. She went straight to coach, but she was like, yeah, we, coach. I mean, y'all was y'all was coaches before y'all was coaches anyway. So it was like <laughs> y'all just come on, go ahead and put on your shirt. <laughs> um, but I I love you know you said one thing about how Macon is really a family oriented city, mm-hmm. and you know I, I said earlier that that first time at camp was really my first time in Macon. And, mm-hmm. you know, I did observe, you know, we went for, for dinner a couple times after camp and just seeing everyone, um, you know, we went to, uh, what was that? A, a steakhouse, Miss uh, Miss Zelma's favorite uh, steakhouse to Long go to there. Longhorns, <laughs> There it is. Yeah. You know, just walking in. And everybody, you know, like, hey, Miss Delma, hey, Miss Carla, and 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 um, just the and it was it was a celebrity, but a different kind, right? Like, yes, of course, mm-hmm. this is the family of Otis Redding. This is the legacy of Otis Redding, right? Because really, they uh, they have it's because of Miss Delma, honestly, right? That we really, really, really. Um, not just still know Otis Redding, but that she made sure that his legacy was assured. And yeah. exactly. And, and, and Ms. Carla has done the same. But it was more of a because you could tell their presence in the community. So it wasn't just a like a far fetched celebrity type thing. You could tell their presence. And um and I knew like I knew y'all went far back and I knew y'all had that close relationship, but I didn't realize, you know, your grandparents and oh, yeah. you know where because if i if i'm not if i'm not mistaken mama zelma went to high school with my grandparents he's back in the 60s the only high school black high school they really had was Afflin. 
Okay. So App Appling is now the middle school now, but it was Appling, um, and it was in the same area it is, and this was just for black black students. My grandmother's from the east side of Macon, um, and my grand grandfather's from Pleasant Hill, so they would have to go across the the bridge, across the Old Morgan River, to get to school. So all of them were in Appling together, just about you know. So and you know, and it'll tell them how really far back they go, you know. Uh, right. <laughs> But right. That just showed you, but I understand exactly what you're saying, especially about like not necessarily like this celebrity type thing. It's just like Macon is one of those cities where like if you're from Macon, you're an artist. Macon can be really hard on you, not not because you may not be good, but because they don't want to, they they don't like to see people from Macon who just put out any type of work. You feel what I'm saying? That makes sense. So like once you yes. actually make it out of Macon and you come back, that adoration is there. It's like man, like we remember when you was. So like, and we were telling you like, this don't sound good, <laughs> and you got it together, you know. So like, to have to have somebody who not only was technically not from Macon, was in Dawson, Georgia, came to Macon, killed a talent show, what twelve hundred times in a row in Macon, basically right against against other Macon artists. And you mind you, around that time, Little Richard, you know, was coming up on the gridiron, you know, and he's from Macon, born and raised. But you know, you got this kid from old, from Dawson. You don't know what's going on, so that's why I was saying like it's just that that level of respect that you get just for the fact that you are you are a substantial artist. I like to say because I don't like yeah artists, don't like substance. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because you know there's there's a difference between uh, celebrity and substance, right? But that's another that's another another episode. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but you mentioned that you know in in Nashville, how even as you're pursuing your medical path, you're mm -hmm. still able to play and you're playing at one of the most prominent churches, mm -hmm. you know, in the area. So, you know, how is that experience for you balancing the, you know, the, the hard science and the musical science, you know, balancing mm -hmm. uh, being in both of those worlds? Um, so outside of playing piano, I also am a, a manager for different artists, right? So being an artist manager is uh, another thing within itself, but artist management is the easy part because you can do everything everything remotely. But having to play, you have to kind of figure out, okay, cool, it's rehearsal right here. I need to study between this time and this time so I can just go to rehearsal and relax. Or there's not a worship at 7 o'clock at this school you got to play for for your college ministry but you got to study before you leave or you got an exam before you leave uh even today i had i had to i had to take an exam before this podcast so it's like i had to make sure that everything i i had to do throughout the day was already done so that way i can do what i really want to do you know what i'm saying so the balance really comes with you and your time management and kind of deciding like okay what should you prioritize in this area right now um, sometimes I do a mixture. I might I might study and then for an hour break I just go and practice the piano. Like it no be no necessary song. I just try to if I hear something I've heard another pianist do, I want to try to recreate it or try to see can I figure out what he did so I can do it every key, you know, stuff like that. So it's just all about your balance, trying to figure out, okay, cool, what is more important with your time right now. You know, you mentioned if I choose to to place this 30 minutes over here, take it from, you know, 30 minutes of studying over mm -hmm. here and, and, and go rehearse music, you know, is what, what effect will that have? And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm an, a music educator. And mm -hmm. I remember the first time I heard 
that um, I think is Indiana University has uh, an orchestra made up of all medical students. Wow. And it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's in like an auxiliary, like almost like a club or whatever. Um, and, you know, don't, don't give me the line. Cause you know, I heard about, it. I haven't researched mm-hmm. it, but I, but I heard about it, but um, I believe it. I don't remember if it was an audition orchestra or what, but these are people who, you know, to to have any proximity to an orchestra, you have to be pretty familiar with the instrument, right? And mm-hmm. and it just brings me back to the importance of music education and just oh, yes. playing music, right? Because everything that goes into putting the pieces together to coordinate mm-hmm. sound, yeah. Right. And and the understanding of the mathematics of music and, you know, intervals and just all of these different things, whereas we might not relate to it as in a very scientific, you know, linear piece mm-hmm. by piece way. It still is very much requiring so much coordination and understanding and just, you know, I just imagine. I, listen, I'm getting on my soapbox, but let me you know, I can just say I can imagine that your years of experience with mm-hmm. playing and being able to, you know, listen to what somebody did and then transpose it and play it in every key. Mm-hmm. I, I can only imagine that that skill and ability um, really supports the work that you must do and your thinking in your uh, pursuits of your medical degree. Anyway, that's not so bad. Um, (laughs) so what would you say, getting back to your, um, as you are finishing up your master's degree, preparing to take the MCAT Mm -hmm. and getting ready for medical school, um, from this place of having confidence and faith, what would you say, how would you say that the, um, your connection, your time with the Otis Redding Foundation has supported you with that confidence and faith and prepared you for this path? For one, uh, I feel like, especially the Otis Redding Foundation, I really learned how to uh, network. Your networking skills are way more important than you could ever think. Um, say say a little bit more it. about that in like like medical school. Like I get it in music, you know, like, hey, okay, you know, listen to my stuff. But in medical, mm-hmm. like in the medical field, how does that translate? Say say more about that. So in the medical field, um, pretty much how the easiest way for you to study in medical school is not necessarily what you know about how you learn it. It's about who you know that can teach you. So there's right. some things that I'm very strong in within certain subjects that some of my classmates may not be. Even this morning, before the exam, I had classmates calling me on group FaceTime to ask me about something that they knew that I was very confident in. And in return, I asked them questions about something that I may not be in. I was like, hey, I don't know what y'all going, what y'all been doing to figure it out. I need y'all to tell me what's going on because this ain't looking good for me. You know what I'm saying? So that, that networking ability, network capability. Also, um, tying in with just how the Oldest Reading Foundation puts the, the campers out there into the general public to really see, to be seen, right? Um, the aspect of uh, showcases and concerts and stuff like that, that builds confidence. I've, I've literally watched some of our campers go from singing like they're scared 
to whisper sometimes to like we have to tell them like okay you gotta back up on the mic a little bit because you're clipping like you know but that just shows you like the implementation of what happens you keep on practicing and keep on executing something on over again eventually people become comfortable in whatever environment you put them in you know well, um, and, and so it's we, not just I'm a I'm a I'm a jump in because I I remember yeah. I, I remember one incident of uh, this young lady that I had been working with, beautiful voice, but she would get up there and she just wouldn't sing out. And I remember Miss Zelma saying like, uh uh-uh, uh, she got to sing. Somebody better get her to sing. She got to sing out. And it just reminded me of what you said about making that they not gonna just let anybody out of there you know if you not if you not producing the quality and at the level um mm-hmm. that making is known for really because they cultivate it they're not gonna just let you get out there they're gonna they, you know they the artists get to that level because they have people who are giving them that feedback and are challenging them to be more and to show up like you can't just you know, ride off of the talent that you have, you know. So, uh, yeah, definitely it, 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 yes, the showcases and the concerts will make you more confident. And it's that sharpening also, like, yes. we don't put you out there and we gonna make sure you're ready to be put out there. For sure, for sure. So, like I said, the, the confidence, definitely networking. And the last one I would probably say is, um, and this is just with, like, musicians in general, being a musician will teach you tenacity. It will teach you to, even if you feel like this performance is about to go left, I'm going to hold the gun and still do my thing for that boy. I don't know if we got to do it through one speaker. If I got to sing, like my mama said, Acapulco, whatever it may be. <laughs> that That's the type of thing like this music in general does like for everyday life because as musicians, people feel to realize it's, it's, it's not a show. It's not a good show unless something crazy happened 20 years before. It's not. If not, if everything is smooth, then I went to the beginning of the show, I guarantee you're not gonna have a good time. You you gotta have something to play for when you get up there. <laughs> it gotta mm. be something that's gonna happen. You like, you know what? I'm about to show out because this right here set, set me back. I had plans for something else, but I learned a long time ago, like it's not a real show unless you, <laughs> 20 minutes before something's crazy, has somebody's arguing, somebody is, is crying, there's there there's something missing, somebody didn't get something they're supposed to get. If nothing like that happened 20 minutes before the show, you're not gonna have a good one. I promise you, your favorite artist has had a bad time before the show and went out there and, and killed it. <laughs> okay. Your favorite your favorite performance that you remember, just know yeah. that they it was I'm crazy happy. before. <laughs> I'm happy. Like whether they had a blue M and M's in the in the dressing room, something happened. so my last question for you i always have to ask this question um what would you say is your favorite otis redding song this is tough it's so many like and the one thing i i I loved about was that he was so versatile he never really i typically never saw him stay in a genre on the whole album the whole album Mm -hmm. would have stuff like you know, uh, Al Green would do stuff like that. He would put a gospel song in the middle of, a, of our album. You'd be, <laughs> you, you'd be dancing with your wife, then a gospel song come on, you know? <laughs> if you didn't know, you, yeah, I'm just saying, I don't know if I feel about this, but uh, honestly, I'm sick, y'all, probably uh, one of my favorite ones. 
uh, typically because I had to really spend the summer with it. We was doing the the old remix with mm-hmm. my campus and R.I.B. room, but just sitting through the song and just listening to it and understanding and like you know where he was coming from. You know, um, I used, I love the way that he never deviated from his natural sense of grammar, like none of that. Like it was always authentic. Oh, it's like you having a conversation with him. He's singing to you, singing back in responses. You know, um, I love I'm sick, y'all. I love um, hard to handle. I love Tramp. Um, people don't know that Tramp was the first ever music video in the world. People don't even know that. Oh yeah, that's the with, like the, with, he, the, with the horse, man, he 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 invented boasting. Like they they thought the rappers invented probably you know they were saying popping your your stuff. Otis did that. He was walking around with a suit on. I got seventeen Cadillacs, sixteen blankets, like two planes, and had, had 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 a sack of money in his in, in his pocket score in his jacket. I was like, you know, what I'm saying smoke cigars and stuff on the ranch. You know, you know, and that doesn't speak Georgia rich. That I don't know what. <laughs> Right, he was flossing on the ranch. <laughs> I was like, he flashed on the ranch on, on top of the horse with his head on. Like, yeah. <laughs> I really, I really, I really love those songs. Of course, Trial Attendance, you know, the songs that everyone knows, but it, it's those songs to me that, you know, those in between songs on the album that not too many people put put out there that I feel like, you know, a little bit better, you know. The, the B side. Like, like, the B side, like the side that people be skipping looking for certain songs. I'm first. I want to sit through listen to all of it. Let me see. Like it might be something in there, you know. Yeah. So I love. That's why I love asking this question because there's a reason why, you know, his hits are hits, right? Like they're classic, they're timeless, they're amazing songs, and also getting to hear the different ones that resonate with people. Uh, so we get we get both, right? Yeah. Uh, and and it helps. I hope that it helps the listener to expand their palate and their knowledge and understanding of Otis Redding. Yes, yes, yes. You have to. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, That's sir. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Be surprised. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a breath. It was a short It was a short amount of time that he was on this earth, but, but, but the impact. It's in it's so many pieces and stuff that Owen says has helped write. People don't know about me. Like, man, like if only y'all knew, like this man was it. Like <laughs> he was way before his time. Way yeah. before his time. So. Yep. Okay, Mr. Saxton Keat, thank you so much for your time and for joining us. Uh, congratulations on finish your last test of the semester. And uh, we're going to be praying for you on that MCAT. Thank you so much. Thank y'all so much. Thank you for listening to the Dreamcast. The Otis Redding Foundation would like to thank the following people and organizations for their continuous support. The Otis Redding Estate, the Otis Redding Foundation, the Knight Foundation, Georgia Council for the Arts, the Community Foundation of Central Georgia, and the United Way of Central Georgia. The Dreamcast is produced by Jamie Alalaw and Matt Miller with an amazing group of student producers. Our theme music was composed and performed by Zach Wilson. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes of The Dreamcast.